The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is sponsored by MyBookie.ag. Join now and MyBookie will match your first deposit with a 100% bonus. Just use the promo code SGP100 to activate the offer. So visit MyBookie today. Play, win and get paid. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by Oddshark. Oddshark offer you free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff with betting stats and trends you won't find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out at www.oddshark.com. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas, get easily trackable line movement and see which team the public backs, view betting trends all day, calculate your return and follow your picks right from your device. So head over to betql.co and download the app. listening to the EPL show right here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at SGP Network. That's at SGP Network. The EPL is officially back this weekend. We had the Community Shield. Uh, I wasn't on the right track with that one. I really thought that a super fit Chelsea team who have been together through most of the summer would beat a Man City team that was mainly comprised of people that were playing their first game. Yes, the first teamers were all back, well, most of them anyway. Uh, however, they seem to be fit. They seem to be at the World Cup and the likes of Carl Walker and Aguero returned straight to the team, no trip to the US, no preseason, and they look sharp and they easily beat Chelsea so wasn't on the right side of that one um, really always take the um, the team that have had more time together and are fitter especially when um, they're quite close on paper talent wise the team that Chelsea put out and the team Man City put out were quite close except Chelsea as I said have already had loads of preseason together but it just shows how classy uh, Man City are I was, was getting on their back last year a lot um, because they did have uh, a lot of hype behind them. There was a lot of people overrating City, and I still think that they were overrated. But looking at how they played and looking at who they've added, which is Riyad Mahrez, um, they are the team to beat. They did end up scoring um, 106 goals last year, and the average is 81. And uh, the only team that really looked like they could challenge them is Liverpool. But we will talk about that because on this show... We are going to be covering the top of the table. Now, I said last week that there were going to be two EPL preview shows, and that's still the case. However, what we're going to do is we're going to do this one, which is part one, and we are only going to be looking at the top six. And we are also going to be looking at fantasy picks. And then next week, we will do part two after the first game of the season, after all the fantasy teams are done. Well, we'll still be discussing the top of the table with my guest, but we will also be discussing prop bets, be it top goal scorer, be it relegation, be it first manager to go. 
and we will have much more of an idea because the transfer window will be closed and we will know who everybody has at their disposal. So if anybody at the top has added anyone significant, we will be talking about that next week and we'll be revisiting our well, my uh, title predictions. However, I do think that it's highly unlikely that any of the top six are going to do any business. Man United look like the only ones, but they really seem to be struggling. Uh, Tottenham could potentially add no players. Chelsea did their big deal today by adding Kepa for 71 million as a replacement for Courtois. Uh, Man City seemed to be just happy with Mares, and Liverpool did amazing business already. So, we're going to stick to talking about the top six. We're going to do other clubs, relegation, other prop bets like top goal scorer, next manager to go, and all those other things next week when my guest comes on. I really, really wanted to get this out uh, before the end of the transfer window and talk about the top six only and do fantasy because the fantasy deadline is tomorrow. Man United versus Leicester will be starting um, at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Um, the EPL Week 1 podcast, which is a separate podcast to this, will still be coming out. It will be out in time for Man United and Leicester. It will be out four hours at least before kickoff. So I'll still be doing that, that weekend preview. So the order is going to be this podcast you're listening to right now, the EPL preview show part one, which is the uh, pre-transfer window one. Then there'll be EPL show week one coming out tomorrow. Then there'll be... EPL preview show post transfer window, which comes out next week. And in addition to that, there will be the European preview show that I promised, which will be running through the European leagues. No rush on that one because the European leagues don't start for a while. And um, they're actually at a massive advantage because the Premier League window closes today. And uh, the Europeans have, uh, the European leagues have two weeks to steal Premier League players. Now, they're probably not going to be players from the top of the league, but uh, you just never know what can happen. The Premier League actually voted on this and put themselves at a massive disadvantage, which was which was very strange. But that is the case at the moment. So let's start by talking about this top six, and um, we'll go in reverse order, and um, we'll actually give Arsenal a mention because um, haven't talked about them at all. They have a new manager in Unai Emery. No more Arsene Wenger. They have managed to add some decent players to the squad in positions where. Arsenal have needed to add players for quite a while, um, but I don't know whether the additions that they've made are going to settle into the Premier League or if they are any better than what they have. They've added Lucas Torreira uh, from Sampdoria into the midfield position. Is he better than Jacka? Statistically, it looks like he is. He looked like the, um, the part last year playing in the Italian League made the second most amount of tackles for a midfielder in that league um, they've added Lick Steiner who's a fullback uh, a right back uh, they've added Leno who's a goalkeeper they've added Socrates who's a centre-back so I think a lot of this is going to be down to how these players settle in are they better than what they had what kind of managers Uno Emery I mean we know he was a great manager at Sevilla uh, all for all those years but didn't really do too much at Paris I mean that sounds like a weird criticism because Paris won the league, but I think I could manage Paris Saint-Germain and win that league with all the money they have to spend and all the world-class players that they have. So not really a massive achievement when he was bought in specifically only to win the Champions League there. So um, Unai Emery needs to get off to a good start, which will be tough because they're starting playing with Manchester City. I can only see Arsenal finishing sixth here still. I don't know if they have enough about them. Yes, they have. Uh, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, Ozil's there. 
um, Lacazette. Uh, they have decent players, but I'm still really worried about this this back four uh, of Bellerin, Monreal, maybe Socrates, and probably Koscielny. So, um, yeah, don't think it's that great when you compare it to the other teams in the league. When you look at the fullbacks at Liverpool, look at the fullbacks at Tottenham, um, look at the um, the fullbacks at Chelsea as well. They're all better than what Arsenal have. Everybody has better keepers. So although I do think Arsenal will be a lot better and will probably most definitely improve on that awful away record, uh, I still don't think that they're going to be good enough to break into this top five. And it probably will be a sixth place finish for them. And uh, they will need a good cut run in one of the competitions in order for this season to be deemed a success because sixth place isn't going to be looked at as a success at all. But I could be completely wrong because they only had nine players going to the World Cup, which is definitely not a lot compared to some of the others. If you look at City that had 16, they have had a decent preseason. The start will be essential to Arsenal. Ignore the City game. I think if Arsenal could even get a point there, then then that would be a good start and then look to move on from there. So the start will be essential for Arsenal, but I do think that they're going to end up finishing sixth. After Arsenal, I want to talk about the uh, other two London rivals that Arsenal have here in this top six. Um, I really, really do think that the Premier League title is going to be going up north to one of the northern clubs. I think the northern clubs will occupy the top three, which is why I'm getting the London clubs out of the way. I want to start by talking about Tottenham. Um, Tottenham are the only team, it's an incredible statistic, that have finished in the top three for the last three seasons. Manchester City, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, none of these teams have done it. Only Tottenham have finished in the top three for the last three seasons, which is a surprising statistic because Tottenham get a lot of stick for never winning any trophies and um, basically for not challenging for the league, for kind of now being the new Arsenal where their goal every season is to finish in the top four. And, uh, I actually think that Tottenham may struggle to replicate that. They haven't signed a single player. They have a heavy reliance on Harry Kane. And if Harry Kane's out of form at all or gets injured, then Tottenham will struggle to be in his top five and will probably finish below Arsenal. Now, that's a lot of pressure to put on one player. I understand that he was the top scorer at the World Cup. I understand that every every team has a key player, but Tottenham heavily, heavily rely on Harry Kane. They have this situation where they don't know how many games they're going to be playing still at Wembley, and then they'll have to adjust to a brand new ground. They've just gone from White Hart Lane to Wembley, and now they're going from Wembley to uh, to this new ground that they're going to be at. And uh, really, it's just a lot of factors here Um that Tottenham have to overcome in order to maintain the top four. And the top four have better squads than Tottenham and a better 11, although Tottenham do play a lot better football than Man United and even Chelsea. Uh, I just don't see Tottenham being able to compete, especially for the Premier League. And uh, and yet I think they could now finish just outside the top four, uh, solely down to the fact that they haven't, added any players and I think they did need somebody somewhere they haven't got enough cover at centre-back uh, Alder Wilder wants to go they're relying on Sanchez and Vertonghen again um, yes they've got decent cover at fullback Tottenham probably have the best fullbacks in the Premier League if not the world uh, to have Danny Rose's cover for for Davis is is a big deal and uh, to have Kieran Trippier there as well and to have Aurier as cover for him that's fantastic they have a great goalkeeper as well Tottenham have a decent 11 but you can't 
do anything with a decent 11 in this, in this day and age. You definitely can't win the league and um, you're probably not going to be able to seriously challenge for any cups. I think it's going to be a trophyless season for Tottenham. I think they're possibly going to finish fifth and this may finally trigger Daniel Levy into spending some money next season. Um, I just think there's a lot going against Tottenham this year. Um, as for Chelsea, I think Chelsea will be able to get their way back into the big, uh, into the top four. I think Sarri is a decent manager. Getting 81 points of Napoli is decent. Um, bringing Jorginho with him is a good signing. If he knows the player and thinks that he'll do well in the Premier League, um, they've sold Courtois and immediately replaced him with Kepa. Um, I think that's going to take some time to settle. I don't think he has great centre-backs in front of him, be it Cahill or Louise or, or Louise and um, and Rudiger, who played last week. I don't really love the centre-backs at Chelsea. I love the full-backs, Aspilicueta, and Alonso, two of the best fullbacks in the league. I love the midfield. I love adding Jorginho in there with, with Kante. Um, I think Morata's going to have a better season up front. Uh, holding on to Hazard was absolutely vital. I think Willian's going to have more of a pivotal role. I just think Chelsea, despite the fact they look really shitty uh, in the Community Shield last week, I do think that they're going to have a better season. On their day, we can see that they are a decent team. They did win the FA Cup last year. It was considered a failure, but last season but they finished fifth and still won the FA Cup and I think Conte knew that he was going for most of the season and they still managed to, to have a run and win the FA Cup and, and they still finished fifth and almost um, challenged for fourth all the way until the end of the season so Chelsea are decent They're, they are the Premier League champions from the, the, the prior year before City won it last year so you can't really write them off um, there are players there who are used to winning things unlike the players at Tottenham so I think Tottenham and Tottenham and Chelsea could be interesting for fourth and fifth place. And it'll be interesting to see if Arsenal can sneak their way into at least challenging for it. And um, if one of these teams have a particularly poor season, then Arsenal might be able to slip in ahead of one of them. But I don't think they'll slip in ahead of both. Um, I mean, they may even be able to take over Manchester United, who I want to talk about next, because Man United is really all going to be down to... Mourinho versus the players. He's already had his argument with the board. Um, he's lost the argument with the board. We've only signed, I say we, because I'm a Man United fan. We've only signed one player. That was Fred for 60 million. It's not good enough. We badly needed a defender. I think we even needed to spice up our attacking options. Man United, incredibly, only managed to, to score 68 goals last year. Um, the average to win the league is 81 and City scored 106. A lot of this has been put down to, to Paul Pogba. A lot of people saying if Pogba plays well, they win. If Pogba plays badly, they lose. That's a lot of pressure on Paul Pogba. Um, Paul Pogba just won the World Cup and Mourinho turned around and said, well, he only had to do it for seven games. He can't do it for a season. That's not how you greet your World Cup winner. You greet him back with open arms like a lot of the other clubs have that had French players in their team. Paul Pogba has played 60 games for Manchester United. He's managed to score 11 goals in that time. He's managed to set up 14 assists. That is not a bad record. That is not a world-class record, but it is a decent record. And £90 million, based on what's happening in the transfer market these days, is an absolute bargain. If Paul Pogba was to go tomorrow, it would be for £200 million and Man United would recoup a £110 million profit on that. So way too much shit gets said about Paul Pogba 
Um, a lot of pressure put on Lukaku to score every chance. A lot of pressure to put on Pogba to play well every game. We did need strengthening on other areas of the field. We did need to bring in a Perisic. We did need to bring in a centre-back. Smalling and Jones are definitely not good enough. I do think there are two centre-backs there that are good enough. I think Lindelof may be ready to play in the Premier League this season. He looked really good in the World Cup. Eric Bailly is decent when he's fit. When he's fit. Um, there's decent fallback options at Man United. I just think Mourinho needs to now bite his tongue and get and get on with what he has. And if he does that, I think Man United will be able to, to finish third. Um, they will be able to stay ahead of the challenge of Chelsea and Tottenham and, of course, Arsenal. Um, but regardless, no matter how well this goes, you're not going to go from 68 goals to 106 goals, which is what Man City scored. It's just too much of a leap. We needed to buy players. And if we bought defenders we would only be improving on what was already a really good defensive record. That really wasn't the problem. The only way that I can see that it was a problem is if that is if we needed to utilize so many players in defensive roles and really, really focus too much on the defensive side of the game, meaning that we weren't able to attack. Now, if we did have better defenders in the team, then there would be more trust in that defense, allowing the forward players to forward think and move forward. That's, I guess, is the logic in strengthening the defense and bringing in a player like Fred and being in the market for the likes of Alder Wilder and Boateng and Mina. So it does kind of make sense why we are going for a centre-back, although on, on the, based on the statistics, that doesn't look like the primary problem. But I'm not Jose Mourinho. I haven't won Champions Leagues and league titles and whatnot. I do trust the manager, but obviously it looks like I trust him more than the board because the board are not supporting him with money. And um, if the season carries on the way preseason's going, Man United could end up as low as sixth place this season uh, because it could be a big disaster. It could be a civil war. The, the war against the board could turn on, could turn into a war against the players. And if that ends up happening, Man United are not going to do anything this year. And the quicker they get Mourinho out, the better so they can at least maintain a champions league position and possibly challenge for one of the cups. Um, however, if Mourinho does simply just bite the bullet, accept the fact, that he um that he hasn't managed to secure the transfers he wants, get the best out of the players that he get that he can. Um, maybe then we could have a decent season, finish third, maybe even second if Liverpool's player new signings don't click as well as I expect them to do. But that really is the best for Man United, and that's sad to say from a Man United fan. But we really are not going to challenge for the title this season, one hundred percent. Moving on to the two teams who I expect to challenge for this league. They are Manchester City and Liverpool. I'll talk about City first. They have only added Riyad Mahrez to the squad, but they're champions already. Didn't really need to add too much. Won the league convincingly last year, more than 20 points ahead of Manchester United. We already talked about the amount of goals that we scored. Already talked about the fact that their players don't seem phased from being at the World Cup, came straight back without being on tour. Obviously, others still to come back. Tough start against Arsenal, but after that, they have favourable fixtures to start out with. And look like they're going to go with a centre-back pairing of um, John Stones and Laporta, which could be risky because that's very much focusing on ball players as opposed to centre-backs. But I think City, with the massive distance that they won the league by, can afford to take these risks. Um, they're not all of a sudden going to be caught up by 
everybody in the league. They are still going to be fairly close to their points total last of last year, give or take anywhere between nine to 12 points maximum. Um, and that will mainly be down to the fact that they're going to be heavily focused on trying to win the Champions League. I know I gave them a lot of shit last year in terms of um, being overhyped, but they really, really were overhyped because they really hadn't done anything. And um, they did fail to make any kind of challenge to win the Champions League. And that was because they lost to Liverpool. And Liverpool, in pretty much every match that they played against Man City, barring the one where Liverpool played the whole game with 10 men, they had Manchester City's number. And ever since then, all Liverpool have done is added to the squad this summer. They've added in every position where they needed to by buying the likes of Cater by buying the likes of Fabinho, by adding another creative player in Shakiri, who's a replacement for Coutinho, by by signing Van Dijk um, last January, by buying a world-class goalkeeper in Allison. Liverpool have gone out and done exactly what they needed to do, and now they are finally in a position where they can actually challenge for the league, a league they actually haven't even won since 1990. That's a long, long wait for a team the size of Liverpool. Um, they've spent the most money and they've spent it on the players that they needed to. And uh, I hate Liverpool and I hate Manchester City. And it pains me to say that I cannot see outside of one of these two teams winning the league. I think Liverpool will need to get off to a good start. I think the likes of Alisson will obviously need to settle in straight into the goalkeeping position. I think the midfield's going to need to gel. But again, they have competition for places. Obviously, there's all the midfielders that I mentioned, but it doesn't mean the likes of Wijnaldum and Henderson and Oxlade-Chamberlain when he comes back aren't going to get a look in. There's definitely going to be decent competition for places. There's there's decent competition all over the pitch. You've got centre-backs like Gomez and Lovren and obviously Van Dijk's going to be the ever-present. You've got uh, competition at fullback places where you've got someone like Alexander-Arnold competing for a place against Klein. You have Robertson, who's a decent left-back. Not really going to be much competition for him. I don't think Moreno is going to provide any competition for him. I don't think James Milner is going to be deployed as a false left back ever again. Um, as I said, there's loads of competition in midfield. The only place where you don't have much competition is up front because that top three is just unbelievable as it was all of last season, um, as was City's top three. Obviously, there's more competition at City. Everybody's talking about the Mares, Sterling, Sane conundrum, but they're not talking about someone like Bernardo Silva, who's been brilliant all throughout preseason and could actually start the season with the position whilst Raheem Sterling isn't there. And uh, it could be down to um, Sane and Mares to battle out for another position on the pitch as well, because you know Kevin De Bruyne is going to come straight in. There's, there's really is good competition at both these teams. It really, really is down to these two, in my opinion. And looking at the points tallies from last year, uh, I made the prediction earlier that I think City could drop 9 to 12 points. For argument's sake, let's go with 10 points. Let's say that Liverpool improved enough to make 10 points up. That would then put them down to a five-point deficit in Manchester City's favour, with City going to 90 points and Liverpool going up to 85. Um, that's how I think it's going to finish, roughly. I think it's going to be around about 
a five to six point differential in favour of Manchester City. I think Liverpool are going to fall just short. I think Man United will be lucky to replicate what they did last season and be on 81 points but if they do get 81 points they will end up getting into third place um, I drastically expect Arsenal to improve from 63 points I think Tottenham may remain on 77 where they are and I think Chelsea's 70 point tally will be improved upon as well so I think that's how it's going to finish I think Man City narrowly winning it Liverpool in second place although they are the great bet here at 9-2 to two. if we're looking for bets because obviously this is the sports gambling podcast um, Liverpool have to be the bet at 9-2 to two because they are the only challengers to Manchester City there's no bet for me anywhere else um, Anyone could finish anywhere in third, fourth or fifth between Tottenham, Chelsea and uh, Man United. But I just don't expect any of them to challenge for the league. The Champions League spot is going to be interesting between those three teams. But the title looks like it's going to be between Manchester City and Liverpool. And as I said, it's unfortunate for me to say that. And if I had to pick between the two, I've already suffered through seeing Manchester City fans be happy. I've already suffered through seeing Manchester City win the league. Um, a lot of you heard how horrible that was for me last year. But um, again, Pep Guardiola isn't God. Pep Guardiola has spent a ton of money and has found a way to put these players together whilst being lucky enough to have the other teams in transition in transitional phases at the same time Manchester United always have the conundrum of having Jose Mourinho as their manager and he can't fully do what Mourinho does he hasn't been allowed to buy the players and set up the formations that Mourinho does because Man United have this football philosophy of attack, 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 attack. Um, he did it at Real Madrid and um, the fans didn't like him. And even though he won titles there, they didn't ever appreciate him. And it seems to have got inside his head because he can't really get past this Man United philosophy versus Mourinho philosophy problem. Um, Tottenham haven't bought enough. They're, the chairman doesn't back them well enough for them to win the league. Daniel Levy needs to spend money and uh, again Chelsea always seem to be in transitional phases so Pep Guardiola was able to win the title last year without any challenge and this year Liverpool are not in a transitional phase Liverpool have bought the players now to challenge they finally have a goalkeeper that isn't a liability they finally have a defense and uh, this is going to be a good title race I think but I do think Man City will edge it out this season that's it for um, the betting picks that we're going to do for for this show. That's pretty much covered the, the top six. Remember, we're going to get second opinion in all this. There's going to be a guest on next week doing the second part of the preview show with me post-transfer window. So we're going to talk about who everybody has signed, all the big signings. We're going to talk about clubs like West Ham who have signed loads of players. We're going to talk about the likes of Everton who have signed players. We're going to look at the relegation battle. We're going to look at prop bets such as top scorer, uh, next manager to go. Interesting one, that one, because could be somebody like Jose Mourinho. Could be nothing to do with um, how the team starts the season. Could just be down to internal battles. Um, so lots of interesting stuff to look at next week. And as I said, um, week one preview show will be out tomorrow. But I wanted to talk about fantasy as well because we are on a deadline for that. A lot of you will want some advice in order to do your teams tomorrow. And um, the main bit of advice that I can give you 
is um, make sure you get in the usual suspects. You have to build your team around the same players. Now, James, George and me did the podcast last year. We both know about football, but I ended up finishing nearly 200 points above James on the team because what he did was is he tried to chase me by taking out the wrong players his philosophy was everybody's got Mo Salah so I'm going to take Salah out and put somebody in who may catch up to Mo Salah whereas Mo Salah just kept scoring and kept scoring and Harry Kane kept scoring and kept scoring and that isn't the way you catch up you do not catch up by removing a player that's banging form because all that's going to happen is the players that the people that have him in your league are going to just continue racking up those points and you're going to be losing ground by taking gambles by picking the likes of a Mane instead of a Salah so it's definitely worth considering that um I think Mo Salah, again, is a definite one to have in there. Um, there is a massive price differential between Mo Salah and uh, someone like Mane, who I, you know, who, who pretty much plays in an identical position to, to Salah. One's on the right, one's on the left. So that's very interesting. In addition to that, looking at a Liverpool team, you can pick up their main striker, Firmino, for just nine and a half million. So... I do like the look of a lot of Liverpool players and it could be easy to go over your three Liverpool players. So be quite careful who you choose there. I think Salah should be the first one down. And if you do want a Mane or a Firmino, that makes sense. But don't go for all three. Don't use all your three Liverpool options on attacking players because there's only so many amounts of goals that each player can play and obviously throughout the course of the season between Firmino, uh, Salah and Mane it's not going to be balanced out equally um, another player you need to look at is is Harry Kane and for the same reason you need to look at Aguero and Lukaku um, it's important I think to have at least two of these strikers in your team because nearly every week um, Lukaku is going to be scoring the goals for Man United Kane's going to be scoring the goals for Tottenham and uh, Aguero is going to be scoring the goals for Manchester City. He has done nearly every single season. So barring an injury, you have to be looking at two of these three and maybe putting them in with a with a cheaper striker, maybe in an out of it. Maybe even looking at someone like Morata, who actually could come good. Now it's his second season in the Premier League. Um, there isn't really too many ways to go cheap on strikers in here. If you do think to yourself, oh, I'm going to have a and a Bamiyang or a, or a Lacazette, it's not really worth it because there isn't too much of a price difference. You may as well find a way to squeeze in um, an Aguero or a Kane or a Lukaku because they are the pivotal attacking points of, of all of their teams. So they are essentially going to be the people scoring um, around about 30% of the goals for their entire team in this season. So that's really, really important. Um, Firmino is the only one that I would consider outside of going for two of the three of um, Aguero, Kane and Lukaku. So don't save your money in those positions. The first thing I would do when you're picking a dream team is make sure that you have the six most important players there. Um, every team should be looking at either having a Salah, um, a Salah, Lukaku, Kane, Aguero, or um, or even somebody like um, De Bruyne, just consistent players, um, even Sane. Sane is likely to have a decent run in the team at the start of the season until the likes of Sterling come back. Um, he's more likely to, to start than, than Mahrez is at the, at the start. I think Mahrez and Silva may occupy that other position, but I think Sane might be a safe starter to start the season out. Um, 
looking at other options, looking at cheaper options, looking at cheaper teams. Um, Nevis is, is a, was a key player for Wolves last year. He's cheap in this game this season. Uh, Wolves have also got a centre-back called Bolly, who's definitely going to play. Um, Charlie Daniels from Bournemouth is another one to look at. You need to kind of look at your cheaper fill-in options at this point if you are going to load your team up with those world-class players. But that really is the only way to go. You're, you're, you're guaranteeing yourself over um, 1,200 points throughout the season if you do end up having these five or six key players and then all you need around those players is players that are going to get to the 100 mark. And this is a good tactic if you want to finish high in your mini leagues. If you're going for the whole lot, if you have some real unrealistic ambition to win the entire competition, then yes, you'll have to take gambles every single week. But I imagine a lot of you are not thinking like that. I imagine a lot of you are thinking of mini leagues. I imagine a lot of you are thinking about beating your friends or even just finishing in the top three or four and securing some prize money for yourselves. You can play in my game, it's a £50 entry. I'll be tweeting out information about that at 30 Sheets Pod. Um, the Sports Gambling Podcast guys will retweet that. You can go to my Facebook page. That's Billy Barty, B-I-L-L-I-B-H-A-T-T-I. There's fantasy information on that if you want to play along in my league. It is a £50 entry through PayPal. But uh, but yeah, I think they are the, the tips that I would give you to keep it as simple as possible. Make sure that the first thing you do, I'll say it one more time, is get in those consistent key players that score every week. I'm not talking about a Deli Alley, though. I'm not talking about someone that's had a good season and a bad season. I'm talking about people that do it every single season and you know who they are and Mo Salah actually doesn't fall into that category I think someone like Mane fits that category better I think someone like Hazard fits that better but there's there's no way that um that Mo Salah is going to go from last season to this season and not score at least 30 goals I, I don't think it's going to happen I think if you look at the way he plays and just plays so freely with no pressure and just finds himself in those positions you have to think he might be a one season wonder in England but he did the same thing for Roma the year before and the Italian league isn't an open league it's a defensive league where he's managed to score a ton of goals so again Salah Kane Aguero Lukaku um, someone like De Bruyne um, get a couple of decent defenders look at maybe getting a, a Alonso someone that scores maybe look at getting a Van Dijk but take six of those players in your team and then fill the rest out do your research get some players in from Wolves I think they're going to have a decent season find out who's going to be starting regularly at West Ham look into it uh, maybe look at a Henrik Mkhitaryan who's only priced up at 7 million and is going to play every game on the wing so Definitely worth looking into that. But again, it's really about how you pick your team. It's not going to be too important who you fill it out with. If you can see you've picked a player who isn't starting or if you can see you've picked a player who um, who hasn't settled into the Premier League, just change him. That's the best advice that I can give you. So that's been your Premier League part one preview. Um pre-transfer window uh, you've got some fantasy tips as well there there'll be some more for week one of the season the the week one epl show will be coming out tomorrow i've been billy thanks for listening follow the guys on twitter at sgp network that's at sgp network my twitter is at dirty sheets pod although that will primarily be wrestling stuff if you want more football and sports stuff for me check me out on lockbetting.com there are loads of free articles over there 
And throughout the course of the season, I'll be doing a weekly European football podcast over there. Uh, There will be a European preview show here next week. However, if you want a weekly podcast, I'll be doing a European preview podcast over at LockBetting.com. In addition to that, there'll be betting packages for football or soccer, as you guys call it. Um, Not too keen on calling it soccer. I kind of did that for the World Cup. Really want to get back to calling it football now. So I do specific packages, uh, betting packages, where you can get betting tips for football slash soccer. Or if you want all my sports tips, which are tracked throughout the season with a profit guarantee, get the sports pack, which has... NFL, boxing, soccer, WWE, UFC, anything I want to bet on in the world of sport. And um, obviously, as I said, that will be tracked. And um, it has been tracked and recorded for the last four years, ever since I arrived on the SGP. I originally did that as DirtySheets.com. It's now LockBetting.com. So, so go check that out because there's a lot of free stuff there as well. I put articles up on there as well, opinion pieces, whatnot. I'll also continue writing for the guys here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Um, the EPL show is always going to be here on a Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, my Champions League shows are always going to be here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So you guys will have me for the entire year. Don't worry. The only thing you'll be missing out on if you don't go to lockbetting.com will be that weekly European show. So if you do want that, um, and if you do also want to receive my Q&A show where you can ask questions and get answers uh, to anything, be it, um, related to soccer betting, football betting, um, NFL, how WWE betting works, questions about UFC, anything you want to ask me about sports betting will be on my Q&A show, and that's another one that's on logbetting.com. But um, moving on, getting back on track to what I'm doing here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, just going to remind you one more time, EPL show week one comes out tomorrow. EPL preview podcast part two comes out next week. That's post transfer window. We will know who everybody has in their squads by next week. And then the European preview podcast where I'll be previewing the major leagues in Europe. And then of course, EPL week two will be coming out next Thursday. And we're going to make Thursday the day that the EPL show comes out every single week. Sean and Ryan want a release schedule that everybody's familiar with, which I completely agree with. So moving forward, we're going to have a regular day for the weekly EPL show. That's going to be Thursdays. It's normally going to be done with somebody coming on with me. Um, I am looking at a couple of people at the moment, just discussing who we want, because obviously James George was really popular last year. A lot of you guys liked him. Uh, Ryan and Sean liked him as well. He could be popping on from time to time. Uh, Shiraz Baziko is also available. He did the World Cup. Uh, Jeff Cohen will be available from time to time. I found a new guy called Josh Paul, who I've been talking to, who seems really good. So I want to kind of mix it up and I will be the forever present on here. But uh, I have a lot of good guys of a lot of good insights who I'll be talking to in my WhatsApp groups and on Facebook and other social media throughout the year and kind of tracking how they're doing and always try and bring on the best people and not just in terms of statistics, but in terms of um, how they speak and how they can 
relay information to you guys who might not be familiar with football or, or soccer and uh, kind of simplify things. And the, at the end of the day, the goal is to win everybody as much money as we possibly can. I'm not trying to make you soccer fans. I'm not trying to make you watch every minute of every game. I understand a lot of you are just trying to come on here and 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 get the tips and obviously go along with um the tweets which are going to put out the statistics and obviously during the world cup we did really good statistics because we ended up winning nearly eight thousand dollars in just a five-week period so i understand there's going to be a lot of new listeners i understand that winning money obviously appeals to everyone i often use the story about how um i don't watch any nhl but i know a really good NHL tipster who I use and um, it's just guaranteed money haven't watched a single minute of an NHL game in my life um, apart from if I've got a bet on it and I can I'm tracking the score and I can see that it's gone to overtime or something and then I'll find a way to, to stream it but, um, but yeah it doesn't matter if you're if you're watching or not the, we've we've won money here for four years covering soccer um, we absolutely killed it during the World Cup uh, the statistics are there just go back and look at um, the description of any podcast we put out during the World Cup um, in the description we put the statistics each time uh, came very very close just around about uh, 50 or 60 dollars short of an eight thousand dollar profit in just five weeks during the world cup so you're in the right place don't have to watch every minute of every game just just follow along each week the epl show um i've been billy thanks for listening to me here on the epl show on the sports gambling podcast network stay tuned for more